apps of corporate and investment banking lead the conversation on future investment possibilities and sustainable growth opportunities in the enterprise supplier and development sector. Now more than ever, you're beginning to see SMEs taking time to think through before they start. And I think it should be something that, you know, we, we're trying to make sure that they influence the next and the next. Don't just open a shop because you see. You've got to dive into, do your own homework, own it, and then be passionate about it and it will grow. Matching foresight with sustainable possibilities to unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Welcome to this APSA Insights podcast, all about enterprise supply chain development. And we're going to zero in on Kenya because there's so many really good stories to come out of Kenya and so many really good insights to come out of Kenya to help us do this. Elizabeth Wasuna Ochwa, who is the business banking director at Absa Bank Kenya. And I just found some statistics, Elizabeth, and you can help me on this. Um, I think Kenya's got a problem like many other African countries, particularly my home country of South Africa. It's not as bad as here, but certainly the wealth divide across the African continent is significant. Uh, and the statistic I found was if you look at the Kenya and where the wealth goes, the top 10% of Kenya get about 31% of the country's wealth, and the bottom 40% have to share 16% of the country's wealth. And that gives you, I think, an indicator of the importance of this idea of supply chain development, the development of small and medium enterprises. It seems as critical in Kenya as it does in many other African economies. Thank you very much, Bruce. The way I look at that fact is that therein lies an opportunity for us because when you speak about the top 10%, you know, taking a chunk of our income, you know, then there's a problem of diversification. You know, what happens to the few? Because there are large industries in that area. And then when you look at the bottom end where the vast majority of people sit and there's a small amount, um, you know, income allocated to them, then, you know, for me, therein lies an opportunity. And the way I look at it is this way. If you are able to empower the bottom end, how much more can we then be able to get? If we were able to invest more in terms of education, because the bottom end doesn't mean that these that the bottom end are not hardworking. It's just that they don't have the opportunity. They haven't been shown, they haven't been invested in as far as opportunities are concerned, and especially where financing is required for you to be able to enhance your opportunity. So I find that in a program like ESD, we then enable the lower end to be able to start seeing the opportunities and therefore grow in a in a very structured way, in a very solid way to be able to better contribute to the economy. So that's the way I'd look at it, Bruce. I don't know if you're familiar with a South African academic by the name of Jonathan Janssen. He um, was the uh, vice chancellor of the University of the Free State. He's taught in the United States. And I mean, I was just having a chat with him the other day, and his observation was very, very similar to yours, Elizabeth. And he was saying he's taught in schools in America. He's taught in schools on the Cape Flats in Cape Town. And he can say with his hand on his heart, the quality of the young people in each of the rooms that he has been in is no different to the other class. The big difference is opportunity and access. That is what sets a country like the United States versus the country like South Africa, and I'm guessing Kenya too, 
apart yeah. is simply access to opportunity. Absolutely. And to confirm this also is that, you know, we've spent a lot of time in the last five years as, as a bank and a lot of, I think a lot of other banks have also spent a lot of time just trying to see how can you uplift the SMEs. And one of the conversations, you know, many of the conversations that we've had has just spoken to the fact that it's not always about finance that they're looking for. It's about the opportunities in the market that they're looking for. They're looking for the networking opportunities for them to be able to take advantage of what they already have. Financing usually comes third and fourth down the line. And that is just a a, a situation about upscaling. But when you have an opportunity, you know, to interact with your peers and to get other ideas from people who've gone through the process, it really speaks a lot to and and enhancing the the SME space. And, And I think by and large, I've seen a lot of growth in the last five years where SMEs have received information, received opportunities in the market, whether it's in the continent and beyond. It just speaks a lot to their growth process. And and I'm a great believer that uh, given the opportunity, the correct support, the correct mentoring and coaching, because that is another aspect that I think the SMEs require. You know, this world is full of a lot of challenges. And I I think COVID just went ahead and, and added to the intensity of the challenges. And it was a challenge that hit across, which just speaks to the fact that we have to mentor and coach and support them, especially as a begin their journey. Uh, the first two, three, four years in an SME, you know, starting a business is not easy um, and it's been compounded by various things. So giving them an opportunity really, really gets uh, the SMEs growing in, in a structured and solid manner. So I'm a great believer of supporting them in terms of information and opportunities. I mean, globally, I mean, globally the, the data shows most companies that start on the 1st of January will not be operating on the 31st of December. And in Kenya, I mean, there's a very specific statistic and that is most, well, 70% of new businesses won't make it to their first birthday. I mean, it's not a Kenya-specific problem, but what is your experience? And that is true. So typically, um, and I know sometimes it's a really stereotyped, but you know, typically when a lot of the businesses are starting, it's not necessarily from a point of having done a lot of research to find out what are the risks, what are the issues that you have to look out for, um, what are the mitigants in the, in the event that you have these issues. It's typically about, oh, I've seen my friend has opened a shop and it has electronic stuff and it looks like it's doing really well because it's got a cool car. You know, so maybe I need to do the same. So I'll have a conversation with him and tells me, oh, I went to China and I got this stuff. And I'll typically go to China, bring stuff in and probably open a shop next door to him. And there, therein starts our conversation. So <laughs> do I have passion for it? Maybe not. I was looking at the car that is driving that was driving me to, you know, get into this business. So our conversations with the SMEs has then been, look, it's great to start a business that way, but you've got to have a few things in place for you to sustain a business like that beyond the first year. And I think the biggest challenge that I've put forward to a lot of the SMEs as we've been having conversations is you start a business and typically it will have your name. So I will start a business called Elizabeth Wasuna and Company. Now this business, surely you can't allow it to collapse in the first year because what are you saying to the generations, your children and your children's children? Wouldn't you like to hand it over? And I think that in a lot of ways has triggered a conversation around how can I make my business more sustainable and has sent us back to you know the learning environment where there's more demanded of us as banks to provide in terms of how do we have a more sustainable businesses? What are the typical issues that we see in other businesses that would allow us to be more sustainable? How can I not start like five or six businesses? How can I consolidate into two? Because that is what I have capacity to do. And 
things like that. So it has triggered a lot of conversations, which is good because now more than ever, you're beginning to see SMEs taking time to think through before they start. And I think it should be something that, you know, we, we're trying to make sure that they influence the next and the next. Don't just open a shop because you see. You've got to dive into, do your own homework, own it, and then be passionate about it and it will grow. You've set up an entire ESD program, of course, and you've got corporate clients, you've got these emerging businesses, and you've mm-hmm. set up an enterprise supply chain development program. Take me through the yes. details of that. So enterprise uh, surprise chain development really came from the fact that when you sit with the SMEs, some of them are really energetic. They've done this small business for a long time. Um, you know, sometimes they get opportunities, sometimes they don't. You know, they've struggled with cycles of how can you make a sustainable business. Despite the fact sometimes you can actually see that they've invested in the fact that um, they've set up, you know, a business that ordinarily would be a good business. So then on the flip side, we have a lot of corporate clients who in the traditional way of doing business would just allocate business to the larger companies that are really well established and, you know, therefore uh, have been their traditional partners for a long time. And when we sit and say we want to develop, oh, as a bank, as an institution, we want to support the SMEs, we then ask and influence some of these corporates to say, please, would you like to take some of these, um, you know, SMEs because they're good, train them, support them, subcontract them, you know, handhold them because therein lies an opportunity for us as a bank then to support them because we do know that the anchor contract belongs to you and you will you will support them accordingly. So it was just to influence that decision to say, can we now take in more SMEs, more women-owned enterprises so that we can develop that area and make sure that they can then stand on their own and, you know, fight for contracts elsewhere. And I think we have some really lovely examples in the Kenyan domain that really speaks to the fact that if you give them, uh, you know, SMEs typically opportunities to learn from the great uh, companies, from the corporates that we've had traditionally, it helps develop them. It gives them the momentum to go ahead and, and pitch elsewhere for business. It la- allows them to grow their own business and therefore stand towards employment and uh, production of income to the economy. And um, I've seen some really good examples. And I think by and large, we have agreed that this is a program that works. It's a program that we're looking to support, not even just from the, uh, a corporate perspective. Even as a bank, we have made sure that we also put ourselves forward to do exactly what we're saying. So as ABSA in Kenya, and I know a lot of the other banks are also doing similar, you know, we also take in suppliers that are from the SME space and make sure that we can be able to support the agenda of ESD. Still to come in this ABSA Insights podcast. We've reached out to different groups and then said, look, we have a proposition that can support your SMEs. And I think that is the way to go because when you have the groups, you're able to reach more than just waiting in your office for one to walk into your office. So I think it has a better ripple effect in terms of edifying and encouraging SMEs. APSA Insights. How, though, do corporates generally respond when you approach them with this idea, which for many might feel a bit like turkeys taking a vote and saying, yes, we can't wait for Christmas. Um, They're creating competitors of the future. Yes, it's good for the economy. Yes, it's good for jobs. Yes, it's good for growth. Ultimately, better news for everybody. But if I'm Mm -hmm. judged on a quarter by quarter or six month by six month or an annual basis in terms of my performance on my own balance sheet, by turning attention to my potential competitors, I'm undermining myself, certainly, in the short term. Do you get much pushback? Um, Not really. I'll tell you why. Because we've seen a lot of scenarios where if you didn't have SME suppliers in the country within reach during this COVID period, you would have a fundamental problem because a lot of the larger corporates closed and went back. 
or or were able to close and say, you know what, I can't supply for the next, you know, two, three, four months because my employees have flown back to their countries of origin or whatever it is. So we found that SMEs then got a chance to put their foot in for where a larger corporates used to have an opportunity. And for those who already had the experience have really stepped up and, you know, COVID has its bad and good, but, you know, this is one of the things that then allows the SMEs to step in to areas, the gaps where the large corporates have then stepped away and said, you know what, we're not interested. We've also seen situations where, you know, large corporates have decided to leave at the African continent of the country for whatever reason it is. If you have a greater supply or a stable supply of SMEs, which is a diversified piece, you know, you, you end up growing the economy in a more sustainable manner. And to be honest, it actually gives the corporates a better opportunity to expand to other regions because, you know, once you're able to have, um, you know, competition and we're always looking for growth, why not reach out to the next country and the next region and, and move forward? It's not always about staying in one place. The African continent is still an open playing field. So I can't see any corporate really coming and telling me, you know, no, I don't think I have an opportunity. And remember, it's become a social responsibility thing. Everybody wants to say, and a lot of corporates want to, you know, uh, say that they're putting, they have a hand in developing SMEs. They have a hand in developing the economy. And this is one of the things that we've then challenged them to do. But I think for more accountability purposes, we've then said, look, right now you have perhaps 2% or 3% SMEs in your area. Could you give us a view of what it would look like five years from now. And, you know, by and large, you know, a lot of companies are coming back and saying, yes, we do understand where you're talking, what you're saying, um, show us what you're doing. We show them what we're doing because we're trying to be as authentic as possible. And then they're saying, look, we can actually expand to 5%. And that 5% is a good step in the right direction. And I think by and large, they're coming back. We have, you know, regular conversations because we are also supporting them with new equipment, the SMEs that is, but we're providing them with financing, we're providing them with education and, and so on and so forth. The quality is, is actually are really good and it's diversified. So to my extent, I don't see a big pushback. I haven't really experienced that in the Kenyan domain. Certainly, I would expect it of a safari com. It's, a, it's an indigenous company. It's one that has got a long-term vested interest in the success of the continent. But you've succeeded also in getting the multinationals to buy in. I mean, a Unilever, for example, with the support yes. of the United Nations. Yes. The multinationals, the ones that are interested in staying and developing the opportunity, are buying into this idea too. Yes. Yes, they are. And that's why I'm saying, Bruce, it starts by influencing your peers, you know, people whom you sit with in the boardrooms together, you know, in, in some of these um, associations and you tell them this is your success story and and especially in Safaricom we started off by saying look we'd like to really support your SMEs because they too had had a similar conversation in their boardroom the only question was how and since we're in the financing and they're in an industry that is looking towards the telecom and you know a really great expansion lots of opportunity we then said as a start make sure that the SMEs can support the large corporate you know suppliers and distributors so for a period of time they, they understudied those large suppliers and distributors. And then we then said, can we make sure that we will, as a bank, finance them because they are they have contracts from yourself. So by and large, they started opening up the contracts, making sure that they're also better educated. They have a full view of how payments are made, how to manage their finances was our portion to make sure that they did and, and just have edifying conversations and really strong conversations around it. And as we spoke about that SME piece, the second challenge was how do we then support, especially the women? Because, you know, typically in a telecom industry, company like Safaricom is, you'd find it's more 
uh, skewed towards male-dominated um, suppliers and distributors because of, of the kind of work that they do. So women also stepped up and said, no, we also went to school with this gentleman. So we have the opportunity. We want the opportunity to step up. And we took them to the process. And we've supported them for, through the financing piece. And by and large, they've been better able to get contracts. That's for one, for sure. And we have an agenda around regular conversations around how many more can we be able to support. So that is really one success story that we have then replicated across the various conversations with other puppets. Unilever, we then had a conversation. We then said, look, how can we support conversation around making sure that women, you know, owned enterprises are better educated and better able to do business. So it has become something that is, if you don't have it in your conversation, you're not really switched on, so to speak. And and so it's it's, it's important that we use this opportunity while it is there to just push the agenda of the SMEs and specifically women-owned businesses. I mean, listening to you, I can't help but wonder what your predecessors of, say, 20 years ago would think about how banking has changed. This isn't banking in the traditional sense. This isn't just sort of sitting in an office and waiting for somebody to come in on their knees begging for a loan so that they might be able to grasp an opportunity that, they, you know, you're taking opportunities to people. It's a far more proactive approach. It is very different, Bruce. It is very different. You know, in the past when, you know, banks would wait for clients to come to them and even dictate, you know, almost dictate how they dressed when they came to the bank. <laughs> Today, <laughs> <laughs> Today, in the environment that we have, you know, first and foremost, in the Kenyan domain, we have 40 plus, um, you know, banks. And then we have financial institutions, uh, which are the circles and, you know, smaller uh, mobile lenders that call themselves, almost call themselves financial institutions, which are really not governed by a central bank. But we have a lot of opportunity for financing. So the competition has changed. But I think the thing that is really, really different today is that we're not expecting that the clients always have the information. We are proactively going and providing them with the information to ensure that they can be more bankable. And that means that we have to step out from our traditional role of sitting in our offices and find partners one who have that you know who have access to those SMEs because again remember looking for these uh, the SMEs one by one isn't an easy task so we've reached out to partners that can have SMEs in groups so associations like the Chamber of Commerce would have access to a lot of um, um SMEs. We've reached out to Kenya Association of Manufacturers, who are also our partners. We've reached out to different groups and then said, look, we have a proposition that, you know, can support your SMEs. And I think that is the way to go, because when you have the groups, you're able to reach more than just waiting in your office for one to walk into your office. So I think it has a better ripple effect in terms of edifying and encouraging SMEs. Elizabeth Wasuna Otwat, Business Banking Director at Absa Bank Kenya PLC, with us from Nairobi. Expert advice and data driven insights that unlock your business's potential. Absa Insights, matching foresight with sustainable possibilities. Brought to you by Absa Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit absainsights.co.za.